0: This is episode number 27 with educational program specialist at the Archaeology Center and a volunteer at the Penn Treaty Museum, Penny Dwyer. Welcome to the We Love Philly podcast. My name is Carlos Saponte, a Philadelphia school teacher whose mission is to promote volunteerism throughout the city of Philadelphia and help put the brotherly love back into the city of brotherly love. Each week, my students and I bring you a person or organization that is making Philly a better place. Thanks for spending some time with us, and let's dive in. Author Ernest Yeboah once said, the best way to make true history a lasting legacy is to make it a lasting subject of learning. And William Penn, once said, right is right, even if everyone is against it, and wrong is wrong, even if everyone is for it. Welcome everybody to the We Love Affiliate Podcast. Penny Dwyer, our guest today, is someone that helped me early on in my educational career, and she was someone that really inspired me to get more involved with community programming and getting students out into the communities. On this episode of the podcast, we talk about how it only takes a couple friends to create a lasting legacy in your city. We also talk about the results of the archaeological dig that's been going on along I-95 in the Fishtown, Kensington area. It's been almost a decade. Decade that they've been doing highway work all along Kensington, Northern Liberties, Fishtown. We get into what was found during that digs in reference to uh, Penn Treaty Park and the Penn Treaty Museum and all the cool artifacts that they found. We also talking about what Indigenous Peoples Day looks like in Philadelphia. There's been controversy all around uh, Columbus Day in the past couple years all around our country and we're actually going to be volunteering for Indigenous Peoples Day at the Penn Treaty Museum on October 12th from from 11 to 5 p.m. at Penn Treaty Park at the museum, which is right across the street from Penn Treaty Park. So if you uh, want to come and volunteer or you want to just come enjoy Indigenous Peoples Day, the Penn Treaty Museum is a brand new museum. It's now open to the public two days a week on Thursdays from 12 to 4 and on Saturdays from 11 to 3 p.m. If you want to learn more about the We Love Philly program, you can check us out at welovephilly.org. You can follow us on Instagram at welovephilly and on Facebook at welove.philadelphia. If you know a student who's 16 to 21 years old who is interested in joining the We Love Philly program absolutely for free, check out our website. There's a link on there called Enroll Now where students in the Philadelphia era can enroll into the We Love Philly program as long as they join the high school on which we are stationed at, which is One Bright Ray Community High School. So if you know of uh, a student who isn't enjoying their high school experience and the regular high school model hasn't worked for them in Philadelphia, check out org, or go through our website and you can enroll at the school. Just make sure you're enrolling at the Fairhill campus because that is currently where the We Love Philly program is stationed and they could do the program absolutely for free. So we hope you enjoy this episode with Penny Dwyer. So when you started, did you start as a volunteer for all of this? Yes. How long ago was that?
1: 2008.
0: Oh, wow. What was it called back then? It was just like a little building across the street from Penn Treaty Park?
1: Yes. It was called the Pentreaty Museum, but it wasn't really a museum. And we weren't a nonprofit yet. It was just a group of people who were the original collector's friends. And uh, we sat around and talked about we've got this collection of art what are we going to do with it?
0: So when you say it's virtual, like it was like a magic trick, like it didn't, it wasn't really there. Or you had pictures on the internet or are these actual artifacts?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the collection is art, mainly prints and some paintings, uh, some sculpture, decorative arts like China and small mementos and The collector was just passionate about this story and the history that happened in Penn Treaty Park, and he wanted to share that and to tell people about what a unique moment it was in Philadelphia history. So we had this collection, and we had the use of a building, but we didn't have any money And so we thought, well, let's make a virtual museum. Well, do a website and let people sort of discover the story and learn about it. And we'll put links to other institutions. So it was sort of smoke and mirrors at first. We didn't really have a museum and we didn't have a staff and we didn't have money. But we started networking and planning events with other groups. And we eventually became a nonprofit. And the collection was formally given to the nonprofit from the collector. Oh, cool and we established a board to be responsible for the care of that collection, and we started doing more research. Then we started doing some educational outreach, and my background was in museum work, often with an educational part to it, and I really enjoy working with kids. So
0: this was 100% community friends who wanted to keep the the story alive of country. Correct. And that's how it started. And now you're a nonprofit organization. You do educational outreach. You've had to open a museum that's actually there, not smoke and mirrors, a, bu- a big collection. You partnered with huge archaeology organizations. And now this is where you are only 11 years later. Right. It's unbelievable.
1: It is unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable that we all stuck with it, too, Yeah. because there was a lot of time there were a lot of years that we didn't get very much accomplished, Yeah. but one of the groups we started partnering with were a bunch of archaeologists who were excavating, also starting about 10 years ago or more, they started to excavate in the areas of Fishtown and Northern Liberties and Port Richmond for PennDOT and Federal Highway as they put all the renovations to I-95 in, which is a project that's been going on for over 10 years now. Yeah. It's not complete.
0: Yeah, yeah I've lived in Port Richmond for four years, right when they just started it. And I was like, hey, this looks like it's going to take a while.
1: Yes, it is pretty disruptive to yeah. the communities. However, I think if you take a look at the older parts of the highway. Yeah. If you ever look at the underside, you understand why
0: they're doing this. It's it's really
1: an improvement.
0: So what did they find?
1: First of all, they're required to do these excavations because of the federal law. that The Historic Preservation Act of 1966 requires them to investigate if it's going through a culturally sensitive area because they're using federal money they're required to do this. So they hire archaeologists to do a lot of research before they start. They look at all sorts of records, historical documents, maps, and then do some sampling in the areas where the ground is going to be disturbed. And they start coming up with a plan for where it makes sense to do a more in-depth scientific excavation. They move along ahead of the highway. So they're in constant communication with where the engineers are going to next. Once they excavate, and as they excavate, they map, and there's a lot of digital work that goes into archeology span now, a lot of um, digital mapping. And then they get boxes and boxes and boxes of artifacts. They've recovered over a million and a half artifacts in wow. the last 10 years in these areas. And uh, they process them, you know, clean, Mend, analyze, do a lot of studies, a lot of writing about what they're uncovering. And fortunately, as part of this project, they really wanted to do some public outreach and got permission to include a small display of the artifacts in our building in Fishtown which they rented, alongside of a working archaeology lab. So they need this space to continually work on the artifacts and store some of the artifacts, but also to display and let the community come in and see what is coming out of the ground, literally out of their backyards.
0: So let's back up a little bit, because some people might not be familiar with the actual story. Why is Penn Treaty Park historic?
1: Penn Treaty Park, which is a Philadelphia city park, has been around for a long time, and there's been many, many people over the past few hundred years who have championed making it a park and preserving the space. It's significant because William Penn, when he arrived in his new colony in 1682, He had several of his surveyors and um, government representatives stationed in that specific area on the banks of the Delaware. And it happened to also be a sacred Native American meeting place, which we know from hundreds of years of oral tradition. And one of the reasons it was a important meeting place for Native Americans was it was where a creek emptied into the Delaware River and the shad ran on that creek seasonally. And they would come there from all over the Delaware Valley region. They would gather different tribes and fish together and then also have tribal councils and communicate trade, have marriages and so forth. So there was It was a centrally located place for the Lenape people who were all up and down the Delaware River watershed, really, you know, as far up to New York and as far down to the state of Delaware and in New Jersey. So what happened was William Penn was really interested in meeting with Native American representatives and did so several times when he came. And it's believed that he met with a large group of leaders from a variety of the regional tribes and agreed upon a treaty of friendship. And there was, there's no indication anything was written down, but a wampum belt was given by the Native Americans to William Penn that then descended in his family and is still existing. The Tradition is that it was one of the only treaties where both parties were sincere in their wish to do no harm to the other party. And this is really based in Penn's Quaker approach. And of course, this is overshadowed by centuries of treaties that were broken and horrendous things that were later done to the Native Americans. So Philadelphians have always felt that this was, you know, a moment that should be celebrated and remembered. And that's what the Penn Treaty Collection is about. And what the park commemorates is that it's something we should look to as a good moment and yeah. um, a moment of peace. And very few places, very few parks actually represent historical historical moments of peace they usually mark where there was a battle or or a hero from a battle or a war so or
0: memorial from people who died from battle.
1: right right so again that makes it a a really unique place
0: yeah yeah I love I love the story that's actually how me and you met you were doing educational outreach and I was teaching, I think it was five years ago, I was teaching about William Penn and the treaty with the Lenape and I was online researching and I found your virtual museum at the time and I saw that you were trying to get funding for a light for a sculpture that was at the park. I made a project where students had to figure out ways to advertise and help raise money for this actual artifact and they wrote journals and then I had you come in and then you brought pieces from the museum and you got to show them and you got to interact with a lot of historical artifacts from the last two three hundred years it was really cool to see living history right like this story is the living story the living proof of the city of brotherly love William Penn came here developed good relationships with the natives who were already here, lived in peace while he was alive. You don't really see too many cities in the United States that are living proof of a man and his ideals that carry on to present day, right? This happened in 1682 and it's now 2019 and it's still City of Brotherly Love. It's still remembered. Now there's people in the community, like like you were saying earlier, doing something about it. Now there's More artifacts that are being found because of what happened at the secret meeting place. And it's really cool to see history coming back to life in 2019 from an event almost 400 years ago.
1: I remember your students back then were some of the first people to really ask us difficult questions. Yeah. About the Mm -hmm. whole interchange. And part of that was because you asked students to journal by putting themselves in the shoes of being someone in the Native American yeah. group that could have possibly witnessed yeah. the treaty. And you ask them to try to think about what they may have been thinking. And then we asked the question, without knowing what happened later, would you have been as welcoming to William Penn and his associates yeah. as Chief Tamman and his associates were. I succinctly remembering one of the students turning it around and putting it to us and saying, Well, would you have been? Which was really hard. I mean, it was it was a good lesson in really, you know, History allows us to look back with all of this perspective, but what would it have been like for them in that moment? It's really impossible to know, but that's a great way to help kids uh, understand history.
0: Now it's it's jogging my memory. I remember the class being a 50-50 split. Like half of them were like, we're not signing that. We don't know you. And the other half are like, yeah, but he learned our language. He, he, he did our customs. And then some kids were like, no, 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 no. He just did that because he wanted this. And it was cool to see the interaction and it, would, it still ended up just like being a peaceful debate. It didn't have to be anything more than would you have done this at this time? Thank you. I I forgot all about that. (laughs) So what can people expect now they come to the Penn Museum, which is now sort of open to the public?
1: Well, yes. So because we were able to partner with the Archaeology Center, we are now open two days a week. We're open Thursday afternoons and Saturday afternoons. It's all the same building. So when you enter, you're in the Archaeology Center and you can see quite a few artifacts. You can talk to archaeologists working in the lab and then you can visit the Pentreaty galleries which are two rooms of pretty much the nicest things in our collection yeah. with some interpretation. Usually we have one of our volunteer board members there in uh, the galleries to help visitors understand what they're looking at. This is all right across the street from Penn Treaty Park, which is also a beautiful waterfront park and in the middle of Fishtown. So yeah. it, it actually is a nice Saturday afternoon destination. Yeah,
0: definitely. I've been lucky enough to be in, invited by Penny to some of these board meetings. And it seems like everything that's going on at the archaeology center at Pentreedy Museum is completely volunteer based. Are you looking for volunteers? Can, is this a place where people, if they come to the museum, they could sign up for a slot? And maybe help show people around the museum or give a quick tour. What does a volunteer at Penn Treaty Museum look
1: like? I would say if it was a volunteer who wanted to be involved on a regular, ba- a somewhat regular basis, I would train them to. Be able to talk like a docent in our little galleries. Yeah. We also have special events this weekend. We are going to be open while another group is hosting Indigenous Peoples Day in Pentreaty Park. This is an event that annually. Takes place in different parts of the city. This year, we're lucky to have it happening right across the street because that is related to both of our collections. The Archaeology Center and the Pentreaty Museum will be open extended hours on Saturday so that visitors to Indigenous Peoples Day can also see our collections. So, volunteers who might want to help us with this event are very welcome because. We'll probably have a lot of people coming in and out and we're interested in people distributing our brochure in the park so they make sure they don't miss
0: visiting the museum yeah. while they're in this corner of the city my students and i will be volunteering there and it's it's cool that it's happening for indigenous people's day it also brings me back to previous lessons i've done and i do it every every year where we take Columbus Day, and we figure out this is what's going on nationally with Columbus Day. Here's excerpts from Columbus's journal. This is what happened. Now we're going to have a town hall meeting to figure out, should we change the name? Should we completely erase the holiday, or should we just keep it the same way? And this is the first school year that my program doesn't have off for Columbus Day. So a lot of students are like, "Oh, come on, what happened? We're just we're, we're we're keeping the name the same, but we lose the day off of school too." And I'm like, "Well, we're going to go and volunteer for an indigenous peoples day on what was that, October 12th, right? Yes, yeah,
1: Saturday. Oct- yeah,
0: on October 12th. So maybe maybe we can come back and be like, "Hey, we should still have this day off and call it Indigenous Peoples Day. This is what Philadelphia is doing on the ground to, to celebrate the Lenape, who are the indigenous people in Philadelphia. Are there actually going to be representatives of the Lenape clan at the park?
1: Yes. Oh, uh, there cool. will be members of the Nanacoke Lenape will be there who are uh, primarily in South Jersey. Oh, wow. And there will be lots of demonstrations and singing and drumming and dancing. There'll be a lot of artists and vendors and foods available. It's also the scope of their organization is such that they invite anyone with In indigenous ancestry so pan-american they could be from central america or south america or the caribbean and be descendant of an indigenous population so it's
0: that's cool great
1: yeah so it's meant as a celebration and just a learning experience for people to come and experience pieces of these different cultural backgrounds that we don't learn enough about so true we don't have enough of this in our lives, I think. So uh, it's really nice to see that there's, uh, there's actually some other celebrations in the city this month that are similar, but we are of course going to get involved with the one right across the street yeah, exactly. from us. Yeah, exactly. You and have the real um, deal.
0: You have the setting that's indigenous. Yeah. You have the museum with indigenous artifacts, and you have indigenous people going to really be there. And yeah, and the park itself is, is absolutely beautiful. You're right on the Delaware River. It's so big. It is. Yeah. It really is. I'm assuming that wacky things have come through the museum that people have tried to pass off as an artifact.
1: You mean that we have dug up that Uh, isn't actually old? Yeah.
0: What's the wackiest thing that has been found?
1: Some people in the neighborhood might be familiar with a little figurine called the Moon Man, who is a porcelain. It was just a decorative piece that people might have put on their mantelpiece a little over 100 years ago. And he was pulled out of a privy. So a privy was an outhouse and people would dump their garbage down the privy, particularly if the privy was at the end of its life. They would just fill the hole up and dig themselves another outhouse in their backyard. So this is a great thing to excavate because you can find out everybody's garbage.
0: So you can make money from trash picking?
1: Well, no, we do not encourage people to go dig up on other people's backyards, but a lot of the excavations have involved privies. So the Moon Man is a little porcelain figure. His part of one leg is broken, so that might have been why he was discarded. But he has a huge moon head. He's a little unusual looking. And he's kind of become the archaeology center mascot because he's so unique. And he's been used in a lot of the marketing for okay. the archaeology center. And we are currently having an image of the moon man painted on the wall above the door on the outside of the building. Oh, wow. So if you come to Indigenous Peoples Day, the moon man might be done on the outside of the building. We also have Native American artifacts going back to 6500 B.C. Oh my so God. we're finding things over 8,000 years old, which is not surprising because all of this is along the Delaware River and that's where so many Native Americans lived. But I'm really enjoying explaining to small children. We have a wonderful timeline now in the Native American room where I show the kids how long Native American peoples may have lived here, and then how short the European descendants have lived here. And it's really eye-opening for them. And also indications of all the small industry that was in Fishtown, Kensington, Port Richmond. It was, in the 18th and 19th century, a very industrialized area. And a lot of Small cottage industry, so glassworks. It was a very productive part of Philadelphia. And so we find elements of that industry all throughout the day. Wow.
0: So if you could go back in time and tell the teenage version of yourself three things, what would you tell you and why?
1: Since you did tell me that I was going to have to answer this (laughs) question, I actually thought about it a little bit. Cool. The first thing I would say is the older you get, the more confident in yourself you get. I think that probably happens to everybody. And I remember times as a teenager when I did not feel real confident, and maybe other times where I felt more confident. And I wish I could have told myself, just go with it, even if you're kind of faking it. Yeah. I mean, don't be obnoxious about it, but go with it, because it really is important to just feel like yeah, I'm doing the right thing. I'm. Like, this is me. I, I'm following my interests. And be confident about it. And if you're not confident, don't worry too much about it because I promise you, you will get there. Now, I don't care what people <laughs> think about me at all. Yeah. I, I Really, you just, after a while, that stuff becomes so less important. What else was I going to say? Go with your gut. If you're in a situation that takes a complicated decision to react to, whether it's a conflict with a friend or a bad situation. If you feel uncomfortable about something, keep coming back to that in your head. Why? I'm Go with your gut. Why is this making me uncomfortable? Have I just been really mean to that person and I didn't realize it? Or could they have taken that the wrong way? So that's one. And then my last one is... Oh, and this goes back to your lesson about the Native Americans. Try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Oh, cool. Think of how many problems would be solved if we could just think about our neighbors' thinking. Where are they coming from? What is? What are their fears? What are their concerns? What are the things that are important to them? And it's really hard to do that. Little kids can't do it at all. No, Their their minds aren't, they're not mature enough to even think that way. I'd like to say the older you get, the easier <laughs> it is. That one's not easy ever to do. So you have to push yourself yeah. to do it. Yeah,
0: unfortunately, it's way easier to judge than to think. Thank okay, you so much good. for that. So how can we learn more about the museum, learn more about the day? Do you have a Facebook? Do you have a website? How can we get a, get a hold of you or come to the event, the times?
1: We do, Pentreaty Treaty has a website and we have a Facebook page, but we're mostly old people. So we're not really good about keeping it current. We're putting out a brochure, which your volunteers are going to distribute for us the, the day of Indigenous People's Day. We have culture spots. So when you're standing in the park, you can bring up on your smartphone small Video clips about oh cool different sites within the park. So we have that on our website. You can the link to that is on our website, and it will also be in that brochure. Oh so cool! That it
0: does sound like some old people do. I know you're not old. That's really good <laughs> of us, isn't yeah. it? So is that Pentrudemuseum.org? Yes. Okay. Thank you.
1: And also for if I'm wearing my archaeology center hat. I would say go to diggingi95.com, which is a really amazing, complex, interactive website that shows you all the dig sites for the um excavations that they're doing it shows you a lot of pictures that's of the artifacts and the history yeah, around it and that's cool where exactly they came out of the ground yeah i was on there
0: they have the 3d models of the things they find right yes oh, that's yes cool.
1: so that's also we have that on a smart board in the center as well so you can interact with that on a
0: big whiteboard yeah i want to take a moment to send some love your way being a history teacher for the last six years in Philadelphia. I can barely put into words how much appreciation I have for for you and your friends and for the community members who knew the history of our city, said, hey, this is something that needs to be here for the next generation, and you came together. And even though there might not have been a solid plan in the beginning, even though there might not have been the resources in the beginning, you knew what needed to be done, and your friendship and love is what carried it to what it is today. Eleven years later, you're putting on events. you have a museum, you have all of these really, really cool things that the next generation can learn a lot from, because this, this, the story is my favorite story about Philadelphia and for you to keep that story going probably influenced me in some way, shape, or form in learning about it throughout my lifetime. So thank you so much for that.
1: Thank you, Carlos. That was really sweet.
0: So one last question. What's your definition of love?
1: Love is my family. I am lucky to have a husband and three children who are 23, 20, and 17. So they're still driving me crazy, but they are the most important thing I've produced in my life. And I love that expression, family chooses you and you choose your family. And there's all kinds of families. Go out and make one or find one.
0: Thank you for your time. This is called Just My Thoughts, where we connect an educational philosophy to the episode you just heard. So I couldn't help but make the educational philosophy this week one of the three things that Penny would tell her high school self, which is put yourself in someone else's shoes. And it's really cool growing up in Philadelphia because you learn about the history of William Penn and you learn what he did with the Lenape Native Americans of the area. He was actually living and putting himself in another culture's shoes in order to learn about them and see things from their point of view view. He sat down, he learned their customs, he learned their languages, he signed a peace treaty with them, he incorporated them into all the changes that were being made. As Penny said, I think that's sorely, sorely being missed today in 2019. If there's 7.5 billion people on this earth, that means there's 7.5 billion different ways to look at almost everything that goes on on this earth. So for you to think that you have it all figured out from your one point of view is really ignorant. So before you take on any actions, ask how is what I'm about to do in service to somebody else. Because if you can keep that mindset of being in service to other people, everything that you want in your life is just going to come at a more rapid pace. Until next week, peace. (music)